Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast, episode 12, the history of the Sega Mega Drive, with me, George, and as always joined by Tom, blast process to my food process. How's it going? <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, I'm all right. It's been a good week. Uh, we're here at episode 12 and we're just cracking on and we're getting loads more feedback and loads more listens, so we're just chuffed. As Very happy as ever. Every week that number goes up. Last week it was absolutely. Ele- last week it was eleven. Couldn't believe we were here. Now it's twelve. <laughs> can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're here. You're always either. keeping me updated as well. So um, uh, the excitement is is always teetering on the edge. Ever, ever living fearfully of the Federation against copyright <laughs> coming down on us like a ton of bricks. Tom, before we launch through into what's going to be the feature-packed history of the Sega Mega Drive. We'll let the newly acquired listeners that we've picked up yet again, we keep having these wave of listeners, uh, Mm -hmm. and we we thank you all for listening, old and new. Uh, But just a little recap, because we had the E3 debrief last week, which was a little bit... Slightly different format. Different format to usual. So we're going to ask each other in a moment what we've been playing. Then we're going to launch into the news, where we've scoured the darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest, that's you, listener... No, not you. You. Yes, specifically you. <laughs> the latest stories. Uh, then we go into the feature, which we've mentioned is the history of the Sega Mega Drive. And through the medium of the Burgundy MG Maestro Turbo, we shall head backwards in time and get you the story of the Mega Drive. We then, I think, limp into what's affectionately known as Listener Stingray. Yeah, Stingray's, hashtag Stingray's boot. Hashtag Stingray's boot. So get those phones ready for that. A little bit early, but, you know, they're going to pick them up now and yes. hold them for nearly an hour. <laughs> uh, and then once we've done Listener Stingray, we get the immortal Stingray himself to turn up. Um, With all those luscious new releases. Luscious new bountiful releases. And maybe a VHS for the weekend. Got to have that VHS, Tom. You have, yeah. And then from there, we, go, we ask each other what we're hoping to play, and then we bid you listeners farewell. You're probably thankful... And we're just literally desperate to re-record and give you another great show. Tom, with all that said and done, as always, I look around on the keychain, Tom. There's a key here called What You've Been Playing. In and turned. What have you been playing? Well, after uh, last week's E3, um, I have sort of got a bit more love for the Switch, thanks to the Nintendo... Um, sort of knockout presentation they did. Oh, so you pushed uh, it off? Yeah. Um, obviously, we saw the Breath of the Wild sequel footage, so I've, I've dug out Breath of the Wild and sort of got on my old save file and moseyed around, absorbed the the Hyrule. Oh, dear. Um, Have you turned again. the screen down, play it only in the night 300 hours and counting. Oh, um, dear, you need a new game. <laughs> I remember you telling me that a long time ago. Um Delve back on Mario Odyssey. Just the big hitters of the Switch. Just uh, reliving a few of those. Just make sure it worked. Yeah, make sure it worked. Turned on, um, buttons worked. Yeah, yeah. yeah, make sure the uh, dust stunt eroded the um, the Joy-Cons. So it's working fine and dandy. Oh, it is. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, to probably getting a few new titles for that soon. Uh, what about you? That's a very short one from you, Tom. No doubt, yeah, there's no Overwatch been played. No. Oh, of course, but Red we're not, Redemption we're not, Two. Uh, you know the list. God of War. Uh, the, the long-term listeners know the list. God of War, Red Dead Two, Overwatch. They get mentioned every week. We feel like we just have to put them in now. 
But well, as we've gone on for too as long, always we play unofficial controller bingo. Tom, the listeners can stand by. They've got It'd the make a good drinking game, really, wouldn't it? For the adults, so for the PG podcast. Yeah, or if the kids want to just maybe down shots of neat um, soda stream yeah. syrup, yeah. give them a sugar rush. Absolutely. Similar, similar yeah. vibe. Uh, I've been playing Days Gone, so as unofficial controller bingo goes, there you go. I guess Radbash Gaming just stood up and shouted bingo. <laughs> uh, other <laughs> listeners are available. Uh, I've been playing Days Gone, as I say, and really enjoying it. I, As you've told me, you finished it because you're the bigger boy on this game. I am. I'm now in the last third of the game. I'm doing like... my best not to spoil it for you as Thank well. Thank you, although I've... You've gone and read yourself a few. Yeah, right? well, I'm not on purpose. No. I mean, working with the social it happens media a lot nowadays, podcast. doesn't it? it with does. modern games because of the, the media coverage and stuff. So yeah, someone was very proud they'd finished the game and displayed the whole <laughs> end screen slap bang, and I'm one of well those people. Well done. Thumbs when I up. see something, I read it, and then as I'm reading it, I'm like, I, I shouldn't be reading this. Yeah, and it was it was therefore inevitably ruined. But I'm not bothered because the journey is better than the destination, Tom. As is often so. And the journey of what we've been playing probably wasn't that great, but the destination, the news, is certainly a wonderful place to be. We've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. First up, in this Mega Drive-themed episode, it's poignant that we hit off with the new Mega Drive game news. Now, Tom, can you believe that there's a new Mega Drive game? Bitmap Bureau... I was shocked. ...have been working on Xeno Crisis. It's a fusion of Smash TV and other great top-down retro shooters with a little pinch of aliens. Do that little pinch there, Tom. See what I'm doing? Pinch of the salt. A salt pinch. This is looking fantastic, and it's also coming to all the modern consoles, Neo Geo, <laughs> Dreamcast, and a console no one's ever heard of called the Switch. Stay tuned to us for a definitive release date. Um... Interesting Tom. one, that, isn't it? Yes, very much so. Again, it looks quite cool. The very, idea sounds good as well. Very excited that we've got talk of a new Mega Drive title in the yeah. retrospective. It's slotted in quite well that this week as well, hasn't it? I think it? Bitmap Bureau were sort of thinking, when would be a good time? And they looked at the unofficial controller and saw we had a, a Mega Drive think. feature, and hey presto, there Let's it is. drop Xeno Crisis on them like an atomic bomb. <laughs> Tom? Um, I'll lead in with this. Oh, he um, wants this, does he? On the uh, on the point of me being very excited about Nintendo's E3 presentation, you show me the love, I'll keep coming. Seems Nintendo did well at this year's E3. Okay, Keanu Reeves' inclusion in Cyberpunk 2077 was incredible, but ICO Partners, a market intelligence company for the, from the UK, they've crunched the numbers, and it seems that Nintendo E3 presence at E3 has consistently grown year on year, with this year being their biggest. But have they blown too soon? Will the Zelda title have the power to steal the show from the inevitable PS5 and Xbox next reveals next year? Mm. Is a sequel to, I mean, let's face it, a great game, Breath of the Wild, enough to make Sony and Microsoft a little bit nervous? Or it depends this... if this... Sorry, if it depends if next year they come with actual gameplay. If... if they do another Razzmatazz CGI trailers and then Nintendo rock up with, like, here's our game, you can play it on the show floor, and then I think it'll... I think, though, we are going to see real gameplay. We're going to see real consoles. We're going to see mm. real games. They need to, don't Here's they, a but... slice of reality for you, Tom. That's what's coming. Have Nintendo got enough in the bag to secure themselves a decent show in E3 next year? Yeah, I think so. 
Do you think they need hardware announcement this time next year? In a little bit of flash news, oh. Metroid Prime 4 is currently hiring a art director, which as many sort of uh, fans might think is... That's early stages of the game's development, so we might not even see that at E3 next year. Yeah, I just thought I'd slot that in there for any Metroid fans. Being quite a big, yeah, it's like early stages, isn't it? It's it's like it's almost planning the art direction of it. But uh, you uh, lead us in with the next one. Car, car, here, boy, good boy. (laughs) Uh, CD Projekt Red have confirmed that Red Dead style, your car will be summonable in the upcoming Cyberpunk 27, which must come as a relief for Red Dead players reverting to GTA 5. This is going to be part of the futuristic AI system on the car, and not unlike the cool car feature in modern Teslas, we are going to we're getting more and more excited for this game, and the cool car feature is one that makes us feel. Happy Tom, come out of a building. We don't need to worry where we've parked. We just yeah, we it, whistle old car car over and hear it. <laughs> good old kit. Um, I mean, that's a good idea, isn't it? It's going to make well, things I, easier for getting around. Not this only does it play city. into the narrative quite well. Yeah, it keeps the gameplay moving in a positive direction. Yeah, because you know, bam, cars there. You call it wherever you are. You can get the car to you. So obviously. CD Projekt Red have, have said like this AI system is uh, is on the car and and the bikes. Um, that is cool. But I did hear they also said there's going to be boats and flying cars, but both of those are going to be to do with the story. You're going to be in them as a passenger, but not able to drive them. Okay, that, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think um, it it just helps add that immersion. I mean, of maybe see being the, in a futuristic city. See the planes and boats more as like the the taxis or the train network in and any other sort of open. Maybe a, a Back to the Future style thing of of uh, where Doc Brown's flying Marty and he's like, "Are we flying?" And he's like, "Yeah." And, that would be that'd be cool in the flying Again, car. Again, Tom, as always, you sound absolutely blindingly excited by the upcoming <laughs> game. I'm going to take this one as well. Go Seeing for as, it. In fact, I tell you what, this first bit's an Ian McCallum line, so maybe you should read that, being his stunt double and all, and then I'll read the news. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Or not, as Ellie actress Ashley. And then, guys, let's just wonder there, that was Tom. That wasn't Sir Ian. Uh, actually... <laughs> Ellie actress Ashley Johnson during an episode of Critical Role, the D&D podcast. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. She seemingly said that the new game would be coming fair. Well, there's only one month to begin with an F. Uh, some news outlets say internally Sony switched Last of Us 2 for Death Stranding, which was seemingly due after Last of Us. So we have the confirmed Death Stranding in November. And apparently, Tom, looks like we're going to get Last of Us 2 February 2020. 2020. Yeah. Um, that would kind of make sense with the the Death Stranding release in November to sort of see him through uh, the busy Christmas period and then have another big release, bang, February. Uh, Rumours are circulating that it might be Valentine's Day as well. 14th of February. Fall in love with Last of Us 2 all over again. And unsurprisingly, for our last bit of news, uh, we have no sponsor this week. (laughs) Um, Begrudgingly... Tom's for some more Overwatch news. On to the uh, news segment, Tom. So please, while me and some of the other listeners pull up a duvet, <laughs> plump our pillows, everyone who's still awake going to find <laughs> out about this Overwatch news, Tom. It's your favourite guy again, the Haitian, Baptiste. The only man I know. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, it's called the Reunion Challenge, and it's available uh, from June 18th to July the 1st. Um, you can play and watch and earn. Um, so you complete nine competitive matches or quick play matches, and you can earn a new Baptiste skin. Um, so I'm definitely going to be uh, trying to achieve that. Even though I don't play a healer, uh, I still want the skin, as always. So, yeah, a little bit of multi-format news there for well, you, for everyone who owns Overwatch. most of the long-term listeners there have heard Tom the most animated he's been in all 12 episodes the last 30 <laughs> seconds. Finally sounded like he'd come alive with that little bit of Overwatch news. I'm sure for all the listeners out there that are big into team... You, you could be the healer on my team. Every week. Let it go. Game's dead. <laughs> no one plays it anymore. Tom... If people wanted to get in touch to explain to me how much they still love Overwatch and how much Batiste is still relevant in this game, tell me, how would they do that? Of course, they can reach us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com or, as most of you do, direct messages on Instagram or Twitter. And uh, don't forget the hashtag Stingray's boot if you want to be involved in that as well. Fantastic. Well, Tom... We've limped rather unsuccessfully to the meat of the show, the feature, the Sega Mega Drive feature. This week's feature is a discussion around the Sega Mega Drive. As always, you guys got in touch to share those treasured memories of Sega 16-bit Jim. <laughs> Pokemon! Man, leave it in. Pokemon Jim. We'll start that again though, listeners, because it's special and we want this to be special. This week's feature is a discussion around the Sega Mega Drive. And as always, you guys got in touch to share those treasured memories of Sega's 16-bit gem. And we're including, including those to add a real personal touch to this story. Tom, the emotions are getting to me. They're running high in the bunker today. And it's now that we need to think about how we're going to make this feature come together. We need to time travel. So if you could know. get around the back of the chair, Tom. Okay. Let's make a way to the lift. Push. I'm a pushing. And as we push forward to the lift area, Tom, watch my leg on the door. Yeah, we'll just keep Tom, it tucked in. Just be careful, will you? Because it, it hurts. <sighs> okay, Tom, if you could press the button. I will. We're on our way. Tom, lift music's fixed. Of course. Um, you know, Jeff the electrician. Oh, that dodgy-looking character. He's not been round yeah. Mumsy again, has he? Yeah, well, yeah, don't tell uh, old Lord. Lord Ponsalbrook. Yeah. I mean, he claims he's Corgi registered, but I just heard he walked the Queen's dogs once. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and with that rather duff joke, we land here at uh, Punchline, Floor Punchline. The door is open, Tom. Wheel me out. We've dropped down two floors to where Stingray keeps his ex-car hidden. That's all a little bit woolly since we came up with Trace Ray, but don't worry about it. He's got more girls in pubs in villages around the area than a salty sea dog has got women in ports. Um, look at her there, Tom. Resplendent in her burgundy glory. Look at those neon green racing stripes. Tom, have you added an unofficial controller bumper sticker, or has it always been there? Well, we've recently got some of those made up, and we're hopefully going to be... Uh... Well, maybe dish some out to the uh, OG fans out there. Once again, Tom's writing checks. His wallet <laughs> can't cash. 
now, amongst those modifications that Tom's tastefully added, the neon stripes and the shockingly pink unofficial controller sticker to the I'm bumper. all about the looks, mate. Well, there's you, also... You do the tech, I make it look good. <laughs> I don't even do the tech. <laughs> and you certainly haven't made this Burgundy MG Maestro Turbo look any better. <laughs> so we're both out of a job. Um, and as far as podcasting goes, Tom, we've already reached the high heights we're probably ever going to reach. Who Mediocrity knows? is a great feeling. <laughs> as I was trying to say, amongst those modifications we've rather clumsily added, there's also some time travel circuits. So let's take a seat in the back of the Maestro Turbo, take a sip on the out-of-date Coke on the floor, and Tom, hit the blast process button and let's go. What's blast processing? The Sega Genesis has blast processing. Super Nintendo doesn't. So what's blast processing do? If you don't have blast processing? Sega! Whoa! Now, Tom, wow. if you can hold the sick in your mouth for just a little bit longer... I'm about to see that Coke again. Here we are, listeners. 1980s Japan. 29th of October, 1988. To be precise, it's launch day. Here in the land of the rising sun. Uh, before we go into the console, as always, let's take a look at its development up to this point. So the video game crash had happened, and console gaming was now firmly associated with Nintendo, pitching their console just right to snare an audience that was there, but just waiting for the hardware to catch up. Uh, Sega caught on, the market looked buoyant again, and released two consoles, attempts to break the market dominant uh, of Nintendo. The SG-1000... And the more fondly remembered Master System. Though both solid consoles, they failed to break the Nintendo's stranglehold. Through, though the Master System did see great success in Europe and South America, South America is still a staunch Sega territory. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. Very much so, yeah. yeah. I don't know why or how. I think they had a third party licensing agreement where a company in South America, Brazil yeah. most, most notably, built the Sega consoles under license. Like, the Master System is still a big console over there. <laughs> wow. And when you get to be a bigger boy, you get the Mega Drive. Oh. Uh, I think they're still releasing sort of third-party-ish games over there, sort of Brazil-centric games around yeah. little things that they've got associated in their culture. But I'm sure we'll thought? see Xeno Crisis over there. I'll tell you what, if the bigger boys were looking for a big hit title coming out, oh, yeah. I mean, Brazil just got its eyes open, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, now... At this point, we've got to remember, let's have a little fond dig into our memories. Do you remember the Master System? One of our cousins had a Master System, if you remember that. Yeah, I remember it briefly. I remember the cartridges were really... Sounds bad, they look ugly. <laughs> they had like that sort of brick pattern on the top. Well, some people like that, but obviously... You I suppose it is very retro and, and sort of uh, distinctive. Now, the Master System... But yeah, System, I don't have... It was... Obviously, the Master System was an 8-bit machine. Mm. The NES was an 8-bit machine. Yeah. But the Master System was significantly more powerful than that. But it just I think it just came at the wrong time. The NES already had a massive installed user base. Yes. In the UK, the Master System did well here, in, here and in you know larger Europe continent. Mm-hmm. 
um, it saw some good success. But in America, it just couldn't break that deadlock of the NES. Yeah. So Sega needed something different. They needed to move quick and go for a 16-bit machine. Now, Tom, we all know about Sega and their arcade history. But it was here that they looked to work on that, take some of those boards they developed. And starting with their 16-bit arcade boards, Sega started to experiment, adding in a Motorola 6800 and a chip from Yamaha for the Mega Drive's awesome sound, that dirty grunge that, while less orchestral than the SNES, it excelled with the kick-ass 90s rock that those games oh, came yeah. out with. That sort of <coughs> dirty... Guitar riffs sound. and... Yeah. yeah. When, the, when the SNES was on form, its music was just... You know, it was very, very nice. It was orchestral. It was all those Nintendo noises that you like yeah. to hear. But over on the Bigger Boys console, on the, on the Mega Drive, it was all hard thrash rock and Nirvana-inspired riffs. Yeah. And, and that sounded that distorted vibe actually played into that Yamaha sound chip, which just sort of added. I mean, you it. look at sixteen-bit soundtracks as well um, from both consoles, and they're just they're, they're really popular now. Like there's there's many YouTube sort of playlists out there of Tom, yeah, some a very popular era for some uh, third-rate hokey cokey podcasts play themselves out and in <laughs> with the sixteen-bit medley. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Dime a dozen. Yeah. Dime a dozen. Um, so that was the console was being formed there at Sega yeah. HQ. A little bit of arcade, a little bit of Master System, a mm-hmm. little bit of something special from Yamaha to get the sounds going. But the console needed a name. In Japan and other territories, the new machine would be called the Mega Drive to show its superiority to the Master System, but also showcase their 16-bit console's power. Now, Tom, our American cousins... Unfortunately, the name Mega Drive was already in use in America by a tech firm, so it was decided to name the machine Genesis, a way to show powerful new beginnings, and listeners, they sure did that. Funny for America That's a good to fact there. come up with a, a biblical reference. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. The Genesis. you have a, any thoughts on the Genesis Mega Drive name parity, Tom? Well, I say... As a, a young boy, I did find it strange that it was called something different in another country, and there'd yeah. be like this. Oh, you, you sort of. Um, we had a, an American lad at school, and he would be like, "Oh, you, did you have a, a Genesis?" And you'd be like, "What? What are you talking about? Oh, oh Mega right, Drive? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I had one of those." Um, so yeah, that's a nice little fact there for the the listeners. Um. Let's just take a listen to uh, Retro Gamer Thomas. He's he's chimed in. Good good bit of feedback. Where's uh, Retro Gamer Thomas from? Um, he is he from America? Well, I was thinking that he's 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 from Instagram. Ah, yes, he is from Instagram. Tom, what has he got to say to us? Well, the Mega Drive. He says the Mega Drive is one of my all-time favourite consoles and one I love collecting for today. Um, there's a lot of collectors out there, definitely, for the Mega Drive. We've had some some great feedback. He goes on to say, I remember hardly having any games back in the day as I couldn't afford them. I have around 120 games now. Wow. I don't even think you can beat the video like cases and artwork plus the best startup screen ever. Sega. Nice work there, Tom. Um, Brought in your method he's, acting. He's, yeah. Uh, he's made some, some good points, those cases and artwork. Let's talk they, about They're very, that, like, um, almost like VHS-like... That little clip shot. What I the, like about 
the case for the Mega Drive, if you got a SNES or NES game back in the day, yeah, cardboard. If your cousin got a little bit excited and he <laughs> sat on the box, it was ruined. It would blow out. Yeah. The art would rip. Yeah. The whole inside case would flatten. Say you were really thinking there, that it was a hard clamshell sealed case. Yeah. That protected the cart inside. It cart clipped in as well. It told it steady, so yeah. there was no chance of it getting damaged. The manual tucked away, keeping the cart in pristine condition. That's one of the best things about collecting for the Mega Drive, because if you go for the boxed one, very rare, I mean, sometimes you get fade and, and, and rip damage to the sleeve. Nine times out of ten, you've got a pretty good game condition there. If you want to go for hang tabs, if you're a collector, you might want them all to have hang tabs. I mean, yeah, another cool feature, like just... Yeah, again, Sega doing stuff that hasn't was then not replicated with the PlayStation like shatter cases oh, yeah. and and the N sixty four more cardboard again. We all know they love Labo, so you know early we days. They were thinking uh, recycling, and Sega were a little <laughs> bit like the antithesis of Captain Planet. They were going to make it out of plastic. It's going to last forever. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, so yeah, and, and as you make a solid point, Nintendo love a bit of cardboard. Um, one of his other points about the the cost of not being able to afford them back in the day. Again, We've we we about we, we talk about DLC and and um, season passes and the cost of gaming. Back in the day, cartridges were expensive. Probably sixty pounds. Is that about I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember, and I think there were some games. I think one of the listeners makes reference to it. Um, Virtua Racing on the Mega Drive was a yeah. whole bespoke cartridge to make right. space for the. FX equivalent chip that was in there, and that was like I think 120 pounds. Oh wow! One two zero. Yeah. Think of paying that for a game today. It, it would be outrage, wouldn't it? Over sort of social when media like, and uh, only one level in it. Yeah. Two usable cars and that's it. <laughs> um, well, thanks for that retro gamer, Thomas. Um, always good to hear from you. Uh, so back to it. Launch day on this crisp autumnal Saturday. We're down the local gaming area in Japan and we're picking one up with its launch titles Space Harrier 2 and Super Thunderblade. Two pretty good games that actually showcase the console's power. Good job we got early. Here early, Tom, because Sega have gone on, or will go on to sell, 50,000 consoles and completely sell out in the two days. Now that is a a good effort, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, 50,000 consoles on launch... to have ready at launch now probably doesn't seem that much if you were like a Microsoft or PlayStation you, I think you'd the market was different then though. yeah yeah. It was, it was a lot more niche back then I mean gaming is mainstream now well think it's, about it's this massive. if you were on a job with Stingray and he had a warehouse of 50,000 things <laughs> in it and you got them shifted in two days you'd be pretty happy with yourself I'd be getting promotion I think <laughs> you'd be cool. it'd be on the you'd cards. become Stingray maybe so maybe that's how evolved well, maybe you're not born maybe you just yeah. evolved uh, stuck in the pass lane, a listener on Insta is a fan of Sega Arcade and especially Outrun. Let's hear his memories. Initially, I bought a Master System for the fact I could play Outrun at home and loved it. Then the Mega Drive came along and the Outrun on there blew me away. It's still played alongside the Saturn version to this day in my original, and I provide that I presume he means his survivor console from his childhood. Aside from that, Sonic was a showpiece, Street Fighter 2 cost me a lot in trade-ins, but it's not as much as uh, Virtual Racing, which we referred to there. Streets of Rage filled in where I had a, a hole of double dragon-sized hole in my life. 
He refers to Flashback as a stunning game and one of the last games he purchased for the system until the bargain buckets at GameStation tempted me back with their 50 <laughs> deals. As for the Mega Drive Mini, he goes on to say, of course I'll get one. Well, stuck in the past lane, uh, always involved on the Insta pages and stuff. Yeah. Chimes in with some real good stuff there. Mentions that virtual racing game that cost him uh, King's Ransom <laughs> in trade-ins and pocket money. So, um, double, Streets of Rage. Double Dragon was not available on the Mega Drive then, was it a SNES? Something tells me it was, but obviously, I think there's he, Double Dragon and Final Fight, probably he's getting the two confused. Yeah. And that was what was lacking on the system. Um, Streets of Rage definitely filled that hole. In fact, it's probably one of the go-to brawlers. It's got no sort of pedigree from the arcade, so to speak, but it's certainly got Sega pedigree. Yeah. That's a very good series. And one that's, in light of the new news, we're meant to be getting Streets of Rage 4, are we not, Tom? We are. Um, yeah. It's uh, There's still no confirmed release date. There's been sort of uh, off-screen gameplay captured... Uh, at various gaming shows and, and press events and stuff. It's looking good. Uh, originally, I wasn't sure on the art style, but I think it'll grow on me. I'm still not sold on it. It I... looks like there's going to be a couple of other characters in the kind of teased at the end of the last trailer. That it, there's like a silhouette of the two new characters behind them. Um, so, yeah, a bit of news for Streets Rage 4. Um, I think we'd both pick that up. Maybe play it in co-op. I'll be down Grudgingly, I kind of want the art style to be 16-bit personally, but I'll play this. Yeah, I'll I wonder it. whether because there's been a lot of like these sort of emulators and stuff where people have modded and and made their own Streets of Rage four and uh, I think even five possibly are out there. Maybe the thought, right, clean cut, let's do something for the modern day. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see I just whether think it works. I'd like to see a really good Streets of Rage game. It's cool to see those sprites, isn't it? In that. Yeah, those little details kind of like imagine how good it would look now the animations and everything well going back to just discussing 16-bit sprites and graphics i picked up uh, owl boy on the switch uh, and it's got that uh, 16-bit art style yeah. it looks really good i think it'd be uh, great to see some more titles like that okay well back to the launches tom uh the launch went equally as well in the usa on the 14th of august 1989 before landing on the shores of Europe in early 1990, and the UK had to wait until September the 14th, 1990, Tom. Yeah, Last long wait. but not least. As always. <laughs> um, things were going well, the console was selling well worldwide, and the older Nintendo machine was not looking anywhere near as edgy as the Sega system with its plethora of big-name sport franchises. Uh, big arcade ports and Sega exclusives. Yeah, let's talk so, about those. Yeah, yeah, big sports franchises. I remember um, it had a lot of the big American like NFL, um, the N- the the hockey, NHL. Yeah. Um, remember play- spending many hours at a friend's house on uh, the hockey game. Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember specifically NHL which one. Must have been something like that. Yeah. Um, so I think that sports franchises today are still powerhouses were selling consoles aren't they yeah well they were the first sort of era they had the the boxing franchise that they tied in and we got madden and we got nhl and we got wayne gretzky i mean all the names yeah jack nicholas golf uh and big arcade ports as well so we got altered beast some would argue that's not that great in retrospect yeah outrun space harrier Mm -hmm. afterburner uh we got Sonic. Sonic. Yeah. Well, that's not an arcade port, but Sega Sorry, exclusives. I thought you were next yeah. exclusive. Streets yeah. of Rage. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose, uh, you imagine, like, 
I didn't really spend much time down arcades. I used to go there when we went to the seaside or something. But they'd unfortunately might... died, but they were just yeah. surviving when I was getting into my teen years, and then they just died. Yeah, and as you and say, I think obviously survived. like people were like, well, I can play this at home now. Pretty much arcade perfect almost, and Ish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, that's great, isn't it? To to have that available at home. Yeah. Um, and and I think that the Mega Drive, more than a lot of consoles, it had. You would often find now. Let's let's take a little walk down retrospective road here. I never had a Mega Drive as a kid. No, you were a big Nintendo man, weren't you? I was Mister Ninty, um, and I wanted a Mega Drive, but my parents had the foresight. I don't know or not to get me a Super Nintendo. How the turntables have turned. Uh, well, you know, how the turntables have turned. Michael Scott reference. But looking back, as, a, as a, an older guy with some disposable income, I wanted in on the Bigger Boys console. All those times I'd gone to Bigger Boys' houses and they'd been playing <laughs> Mega Drive, Road Rash, all oh, those, oh my goodness. There's a guy with a chain and he's hitting another guy on a motorbike. Like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah. You know, and it, although some of the games were available on the snares, like Alien 3, it felt edgier, it felt grungier and it felt like it was first on the Sega mm. all the bigger boys had it there was the talk of the Mega CD at the time when the Mega Drive was really in its prime I had the Atari ST so I wasn't even in the SNES gang I had to wait right until the end and I think in 1993 or 1994 I got my SNES so you can see how long I waited to get in on the 16-bit consoles and yeah. with the Atari ST I sat and every TV show that was on at the time that was about gaming had tips for console games like they were giving the sonic tips and everything like that there was nothing for the home computer market the Atari, yeah. much like a pc gamer when listening to our show <laughs> probably sits bored tapping on the keyboard until the new releases then there's like one title that they think they might have a go on on steam and they're like oh i know how he feels uh, so we can empathize yes but to that end really was a very cool console to own as an adult i've gone and bought mega cd 32x a bootload of games much like um, retro gamer Thomas with his 120 there. I've probably got a similar number to that. Probably not yeah. as many, but I've tried to pick the games that I really kind of, that were super cool in 90, like Mortal Kombat, yeah. NBA Jam, got to get the Sonics, all that sort of cool stuff. Um, so on that point of you having one now um, and, and retro gamer Thomas's comment about yeah. uh, looking forward to the Mini and he's probably going to get one, yeah. will you be picking up a Mega Drive Mini? Hmm, I've got a lot of the games already. I think it's around £69.99, isn't it? But it does pounds. look quite cool, and it does solve the whole RGB scar issue with a modern TV. Imagine if we tell people where we are right now, back in time, in Japan, say, mm, Mega Drive don't Mini. Don't say it too loud. Oh, we won't. Whisper get, it. Get us Mega Drive Mini yeah. um, is £70, and you're going to be paying £120 for virtual racing... That's where the future's heading, my friend. Yeah. It would blow minds. We'd best not say it too loud. Well, Tom, my mind's still located firmly within my cranium. I'm from the future, though. So unlike these Japanese friends of ours here, you're right. It could blow their minds. It's doubtful, because mm. you don't speak the language. Thankfully, <laughs> that's going to get us out of a lot of holes. And I don't think they believe us. But with all that, with all that talk aside, Tom... As good as Sega were having it, they still needed something to push them over the edge. Despite earlier attempts at a mascot, Sega still didn't have one that shifted systems. That was 
until sourced from an internal Sega Japan competition, Mr. Needlemouse arrives. <laughs> or as we know him by a slightly more popular name, Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, this character frustrated the living daylights out of Sega of America, who were completely perplexed, thought it very Japanese, and had no idea even what a hedgehog was. Sonic Team was formed, and Yuji Naka was immortalised along with his creation. America, though, Tom, they recognised the system seller. Sonic was sold as a packing title in America, which, as you can imagine, Sega Japan resisted initially because you're taking our new darling that we've just spent millions on and you're going to give it away. But they eased off and the plan shifted loads of systems. And now it's like the... Because the packing originally, Tom, was Altered Beast. Really? Yes. Hmm. I mean, they might as well have sold you a, a rubber cosh <laughs> to smash yourself over the head with yeah. 15 times. I mean... Altered Beast versus Sonic as a first intro to the console. Yeah. Sonic's a great No-brainer, idea. isn't it? Absolute no-brainer. I can see Japan being a bit nervous. Yeah. Like, well, wait, that's... Hang on a minute. That's... Think of a big game. Gears 5. You're giving away that for free? No, is it... Just with going, the console? Yeah. Are you insane? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first, Tom. Shocker. Tom claims he's insane. <laughs> um, just going back to your, your point about the uh, Mr. Needle Mouse and his, his Japanese, um, that's sort of where he's come from and yeah. uh, worried about will it work. To me, he, he looks more American like US animated design yeah, really definitely. if you look at him well they were trying doesn't to doesn't look very anime does he or... Mr. Needlemouse they wanted to give him like a cool edgy look and that's why yeah. they gave him the trainers that I think mm-hmm. they were inspired by the Michael the trainers that Michael Jackson was yeah Nike obviously album. being very yeah. well getting massive in the 90s and um, he was a very at the time 90s was all about tood and you know being saying all those sort of yeah. say, surfer skater words and all that <laughs> sort of stuff, radical and all that. And Sonic came at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. That's good uh, genius marketing, really. Perfect marketing. Um, so going back to that, David Bones, a listener on Insta, he's chimed in here just like you can. Um, my favourite games are Sonic and Knuckles locked on. Oh, yes. You can't... He's locking on with that. The lock-on console cartridge technology that allowed the Sonic and oh, I remember this, to yeah. lock on to the other consoles. Because right. Sonic... We're getting ahead of ourselves here because we haven't even discussed Sonic 2. But Sonic 3 came out, but mm-hmm. it was only half a game. I uh, remember the this, The game yeah. was too big to fit on one cart without it being ridiculous money. So they cut okay. it in half and sold yeah. the first half of Sonic 3. Mm-hmm. And then they sold the lock-on tech, yep. which was the rest of the game. As a sweetener, that cartridge could allow you to put characters from 3 into Sonic 2 and possibly even Sonic 1 from memory. So you Mm -hmm. could lock on any Sonic game with that connector, the Sonic and Knuckles cart, and you could move your characters around and ultimately play through all of the games. Yeah. Very cool. Uh Uh-huh. And it's that kind of crazy tech that we don't see these days. No. No, we certainly don't. Tell me who else has got in touch, Tom. Uh... We're going to try and uh, say this one correctly because we, uh, we love trying to get the Insta names right. Uh, Tommy Thompson or Tommy Thompson. You let us know. A long-time listener. I've got a real good feeling that's probably just Tommy Thompson. Yeah? 
Ah, I see what's happened there. Yeah. So Tommy Thompson, a long-time listener, we haven't heard from in a while, got back in touch to say, I remember being very young and playing on my brothers as a kid. Uh, good old Sonic. I couldn't even get past the first level. <laughs> I was young, though, he goes on to say. I think we've both been there. That I, I broke out that up-down, left-right, A-start cheat many times. I mean, it's a solid game. Unbelievable. The only time I've got close to the end was the uh, 3DS re-releases, Sonic in 3D, which was real cool. Um, and you, the biggest difference there, save, uh, the ability to save. But if we go back to the days that he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely solid game. Let's say you didn't know that god-awful cheat you just mentioned, which unlocks <clears throat> the game and basically allows you to go into school and say, I've finished Sonic. Spoilers for the cheat? No. <laughs> Let's let them discover it themselves. <laughs> or enjoy the game the way it was meant to be enjoyed. Um, but Sonic... I just want to take a minute to just talk about Sonic's level design. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but I'm going to bore the listeners just for a couple of minutes. <laughs> On the first Sonic... I've had my Overwatch moments. So. You have. On the first Sonic, the first level, Green Hill Zone, it's immortalised. You play and it's breakneck from start to finish. Yeah. It's fast-paced, Light it's speed. loops, it's upside down. They do position... This is one of the quirks of Sonic. They do position the little bumpers every now and then. When you're hitting your flow, unless yeah. you can clear it... Knocks you're going you to get stopped and it knocks yeah. you back and kills your momentum. That's great. And, and the concept plays out really well. And then you get to the second level where it's a very traditional pixel perfect. A lot of kids absolutely ram through that first level excited. Eyes on stalks, adrenaline pumping. It's coming in faster than they can process. Then they get to the second level which has got lava in it, and descends downwards. I believe it's marble slowly, zone, isn't it? Little bits at yeah. a time. And the, all of a sudden you've gone from being able to clear a segment easily because you're doing 120 miles an hour. Yeah. You're now walking at normal human pace and dodging lava bits. Yeah, it's a very much more platformer level, isn't it? Yes. Um, whereas the, the first level is more almost like reaction-based. Yeah, like a sonic just, level yeah. that we've got yeah, to know. Yeah, exactly. I think what happened there was the first level can be finished in like a minute. Yeah, and they're like, slow not, it down, slow it down. There's not that many, much like a read-through of our script. Box, <laughs> I've got to slow you down, remind you that this is the last of the petty cash and we have to chew our food. The sonic level gives you something quick and then has to slow you down to make the game last. That's one of those things we must remember about old games. They didn't make them long, they just made them really hard. <laughs> Very true. Um, great music in... Uh, I mean, they're etched in memory, aren't they? For Green me, Hill Zone. Yeah, and Chemical Marble Zone. Zone on two. Labyrinth of, Zone. Oh, just unbelievable. Chemical Plant, yeah. Chemical Plant. Um, so, uh, moving back to the, the history, it was here at this point, if you could be here at the time, you'd think Sega could do no wrong. Um but let's flash forward to November 21st, 1992. This is Sonic 2's day. And I it's said to be one this. of the biggest days in gaming to this point. I remember the hype for this, Tom. There was like signs, there was billboards. It was yeah. on all the morning TV. Bad influence to the section about Sonic 2's day. If you don't know, that's a, a UK children's gaming magazine on TV. Uh, Games Master had like people running through the game and doing competitions and bits and bobs. Sonic Tuesday was huge. Yeah. In gaming, like no one has shifted um, games like this was shifting games at the time, especially here in the UK. It was it was craziness. And we'll go on to say 
shifting 6 million copies years to date and being the best seller in the UK charts for two months. That's what I'm saying to you, Tom. That's... People don't realise <laughs> that the UK was on fire with Sonic stuff at the time and Sega was riding high. It was also very well received critically and after the original Sonic game, it's still their best-selling Sonic game. Now, that surprised me, Tom, because I actually thought two would have knocked one into a cocked hat, but seemingly one's kept the hat and it's not keen on sharing it. I'm very surprised by that stat as well, really. And I, I, um, when I read through, that was all copies to date. So I'm yeah. guessing Xbox downloads and PlayStation yeah. downloads of the original mm-hmm. games and iOS downloads of the original games. Yeah. It's available on everything yeah, now. It doesn't well, sound that big so. a number in that retrospect. So I'm probably pouring a little bit of cold water onto it. But either which way... Sonic 2 still hasn't been the best-selling Sonic game, which is a shame because it is the best Sonic game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It narrowly missed out on uh, my top 10 games of all time, uh, replaced by Streets of Rage 2, which we'll discuss later in the show. And if you want to catch up on yeah. the adrenaline fueled ride that is our top 10 games, episode 1. 1, Bloody Palace is open. Check it out. Yeah. And Tom, while we're checking things out, Someone else new that's checked us out. New listener. 8-Bit Overhaul. Now, they're on Instagram. Tom, what have they got to say? Um, He says, uh, My favourite memory of the Genesis slash Mega Drive is getting the system for Christmas one year. I got a Model 2 with Sonic 2 as the pack in the game. I rented a copy of Aladdin for days. Uh, I'm so nostalgic for the audio of the system. And I will always carry fond memories of playing Toe Jam and Earl with my twin brother. That's That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, We like those memories. We do. We're a PG podcast. We like stuff like that. Now, we talk about Sega pushing hard in the UK, and it really was. It felt... I wish I could take you back with me, guys, because we're back in this moment, but we can't bring you back physically to this moment. But if you could, Sega would feel like an absolute juggernaut. Edgy TV ad starring Barry from EastEnders wiring <laughs> some slick-looking dude from Soldier Soldier into a gaming chair while strobes flashed and gameplay filled the screens. It was all welcome to the next level, blast processing, and Sega does what Nintendo don't. Here in the playground, Sega was the bigger boys console. Yeah, talking of bigger boys, new listener, Dubai Jim remembers... Duping a rich kid into swapping his Mega Drive for a Game Gear. Really, I think I got the better deal, he says. <laughs> well, you ain't kidding there, son. I'll tell you what, he um, was the real bigger boy of that playground. Well, clearly done well. He's up in Dubai now, living it up off the uh, that deal breaker back in the day. Um, swapping the Mega Drive for the Game Gear. You've had both of those, Tom. Yeah, As so a child. I think um, this, this is probably a good time to reflect on... Uh, how I got a Mega Drive yes. and, and the uh, a little bit of um, sort of personal experience of before of we the, wade uh, in of before we pull on our nostalgia glasses <laughs> and follow Tom down the rose tinted lane that is the Mega Drive memories. As a kid, get off the fence, Tom, just for once. Right. Which was your favourite machine? Because you had both as a child: Game Gear or Mega Drive? Mega Drive. You heard so, it here. You wanted consumer news. You finally got it. He doesn't know what headset he uses. He doesn't really know what game he likes. Corsairs. I did the research. Fact. Corsairs gaming headset. Then, according to Tom last week, they're not a bad gaming headset. (laughs) So if you want to pick one up, there's a recommend from the big man in gaming. So, Tom, now we've cleared up the whole which one does a kid like more, 
hit me up with your memories. Yeah, so I got the Game Gear um, and just spent most of Christmas... No, 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 Mega Drive. Yeah, sorry, just leading into it. Oh, okay. Wow. A little bit of background. Okay. Uh, yeah, got the Game Gear, got it one Christmas. Foreshadowing. Played it constantly with the AC adapter plugged in because the battery life is terrible, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah. Um, uh, but but then I remember going around a friend's house and seeing this Mega Drive and the home console and seeing Sonic and the difference from seeing it on the Game Gear Ooh. to on the big screen. Yeah. And obviously the game is slightly different as well. Well, it is, very yeah. different, really. It actually first launched on Master <clears throat> System. Yes. By yeah, some I heard strange that. quirk yeah. and Sonic. Um, uh, seeing that at a friend's house and then following Christmas asking for one and Santa or Father Christmas did deliver uh, and delivered it with... A.K.A. Uh, St. Nicholas, A.K.A. Yeah. Santa. Uh, and he delivered it with Sonic the Hedgehog and Golden Axe. Uh, Interesting I, I actually, like probably trying to impress the bigger boys at school, ditched Sonic because it, it was not grown <laughs> Classic, up enough. Tom. Um, and wield out golden axe uh, and choosing the dwarf character there. as I <laughs> usually do oh, um, and, and trying to battle my way through that with my brother uh, and failing miserably. What other gaming memories do you have from those times? Uh, so following on from that, a few, uh, few Christmases down the line because they were expensive games. So uh, me and my brother used to rent quite a few. Yeah. Um, and then Christmas would come round. I remember getting Earthworm Jim. That was a big game I was hyped for uh, one year. And I didn't struggle with it as much as going back to another memory of getting the Lion King and saying, I want to take this back on Boxing Day because it was just solid. And we've played that recently. And, yeah, and we've Lion tried King to. We still hard, struggle. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, really solid game. Look, I mean, the film was everywhere at the time. So I was all into that and wanting to get the game. And then. Just kind of thinking. I might, I might be trying to make excuses for my elder gaming ability. Yeah, but I do think that some of the collision detection in in Lion King was off. Yeah, it was brutal. Wasn't that it? Uh, the second level is what pushed me over the edge as a child. Of like trying to line up those uh, giraffe flicks onto the monkeys to oh, grab you. And that's the worst bit. We got to it again, didn't we? We're yeah. like, this is harder than than uh, than a lot of modern day games. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I've got a few other memories, but they're to do with uh, some of our choices for the uh, okay. the games coming well, up. As we so mentioned, we'll move on. all the playground talk and Tom's childhood memories. Let's talk about blast processing. We've mentioned it, but it's time to point out that it was once labelled as marketing waffle and really <laughs> still could be claimed to be. But the Mega Drive had a way of blasting data at its chipset to go beyond its normal capabilities and push a really high resolution static. It's not moving here, so just calm down. <laughs> Colour image onto the screen. Now, as you can imagine now, looking back through the lens of how that particular ability helped the Mega Drive in any way compete with the SNES, it just wasn't, was it? No. Unless you wanted to show a really clear static image, <laughs> which most gamers don't really care about. Yeah. This feature was dead. But it sounded cool, Tom. And it allowed playground domination with just two words. Yeah. I've got two words for you. Blast. Process. And so <laughs> say, our cousins would say. Yeah. Now you've mentioned Lion King, and how can we forget the immortal tie-ins with Disney, the Mickey games, Aladdin, Lion King, Pinocchio, and these games also saw the rise of David Perry and Shiny Entertainment, who were behind the Disney games 
and their breakout star of their own, Earthworm Jim. Now, Tom, if you want a 90s hero, there Earthworm is right Jim there. is that man, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I, I've mentioned I got that um, one Christmas, and he's just really great character design, isn't he? It's colourful, it pops off the screen, and just really weird, bizarre. Really great character design, really very difficult gameplay. Do you think? Mm. See, as I said, I, I found that easier than like the the platformers, like your Aladdin and Lion King, and oh, well, how far have you got on that without a save? On Earthworm, yeah. Um, ooh, past the first level, I'd say halfway. I flipped the cow in here, George. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the bits on these like sort of space bike thing, and and that sort of uh, cool ton- that tunnel effect yeah. of. of uh, so trying after to, all that yeah. platforming, if you didn't finish that, if you all of a sudden, bam, here's a new way of playing this game. Yeah. By the way, if you don't finish this, it's game over. Mm. <laughs> You've gone from being pixel <laughs> The stakes were high games, back then, weren't they? To into the screen driving, it, very, very, very harsh. But um, we've got a new name to the show on the subject of Earthworm Jim. Oh, okay. Uh, Geek Play Record. Um, is he on Insta? He is. Yeah. So go check him out. Yeah. Uh, my neighbour had a Mega Drive and we used to hammer Toe Jam and Oil and Earthworm Jim. All I remember is play, die, play, die, <laughs> play, die. You, Still didn't stop us though. No, and it didn't stop us. <coughs> um, also, Tom, you're looking for someone? EA pulled it in clutch for Sega 2 with the Strike Series, Road Rash, the Immortal Madden Series, NHL, FIFA. And seeing their births here and looking great... Um, all those franchises got the kickoff there. Their births were there, and that's where we they became great series titles that we know today. Unfortunately for Sega, <laughs> their relationship with EA, as we discussed in the Dreamcast feature, rocky as ever. <laughs> EA didn't want to pay Sega for the cartridge tech, so a clever little boffin EA went off, reverse-engineered a con- uh, cartridge and a console, and that's how... Listeners, they got round not paying any royalties to Sega and why the EA carts are different to the standard Sega variety. I always wondered that. That's really good. As always, man with the facts. Um, yeah, <laughs> EA, EA, <laughs> heavily researched. Heavily yeah, researched to bring you cool. the latest um, features. Listen. EA, yet again, dirty villain. Like the pantomime. You could argue, some, some could argue... As you say, like the pantomime villain in Sega's story. Like the Les Dennis evil genie at the Christmas panto. EA were the ones that were really having a way with Sega's fun, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I had Road Rash and um, a few of those uh, sporting titles and I always wondered why. They, they had like um, like a little yellow, I don't know, it was just Road Rash. Yeah. I seem to remember like a, little, a little yellow. yellow inset that said ECA yeah. on it, the old yeah. logo. Mm-hmm. Obviously, us being kids, I thought it was a switch or something. Yeah, yeah, you're like there, you like, why won't this push in? You got it. Um, but uh, do you want to take this next uh, loyal listener? Yes, and uh, it's here the likes of Podgy Podge, a loyal listener, comes in with Castle's Illusions, memory, many memories of that game. Road to Thinner Me, this Road Rush is his favourite, but cites that when EA were good. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the Immortal Radabash Gaming, Loves Beyond Oasis, uh, that's a great RPG, and another name, favourite of the show, Sharaban lists Thunder Force 3 for its great shmup action. Mm. Hmm. Very good. 
Tom seems like a great place to dust off the cryogen box that we keep Odders in. Oh, yeah. Defrost him, Tom. He's going to come out with a little bit of carbonite freezing blindness. He's going to be angry. Help him through it. What's he got to say? Uh, Odders UK goes on to say, so many memories for the first time I played one uh, was at my mate Steve's house and we played Golden Axe. The hype and build-up for Street Fighter 2 Special Championship Edition. Up until then, it had been a SNES exclusive. Saved up my Christmas and birthday money and reordered it with a six-button... Sorry, pre-ordered it with a six-button controller uh, with a coupon I claimed from Mean Machines magazine. Now, that was the go-to magazine for the Sega owner back in the day. I used to look through it. The smaller boy, the news agent, <laughs> flip through looking at all the games that he couldn't have. <laughs> uh, he also goes on to say Splatterhouse terrified him and Final Fight on Mega CD was a whisker away from Arcade Perfect. So when Sega finally did get Final Fight, it came on the Mega CD, Tom, and it was awesome. So the thing is, we've spent quite a lot of the time there talking about how well it was going. But I'm sure the listeners are wondering... How did it all go wrong, Tom? Mm. Uh, Well, lo and behold, Sega being the the crazy tech-pushing gurus didn't know when to stop. Well, we've seen that before, haven't we? We have, haven't we? Uh, And no sooner had they prototyped an idea, it was seemingly marketable. Uh, Menace of Light Guns, a 3D interactive fighting pad that sensed player movement, uh, the Sega Activator. We could do one of those now for VR. Ah, right, yeah. You kind of like, let, let's not imagine... I'm aware of the menaces, so um, do, you, do you know much uh, well, about this just, fighting let's, pad? Let's just take a little turn down Self-Indulgent Street, Tom. <laughs> the menacer is a light gun, for our listeners yeah. that don't know. It was a bit like a bazooka, wasn't it? Yeah, sort of. it was. It came in quite an obnoxious form on the Mega Drive. Yeah. It came with like different eye sockets. Similar to the uh, SNES Super Scope, yeah. Yeah, absolutely that. And had, like the, like the immortal Super Scope, the menacer probably ended up having two games, much like the Super Scope. Uh, and the 3D Interactive <laughs> Fighting Pad, it was basically a circle that you assembled around yourself on the floor. Right. Now, I'm not trying to wow you here. At the time, there was a lot of wowing going on, how mm-hmm. this 3D environment sensed your every move. Yeah. I think it was basically about four TV remotes <laughs> nailed together that put a line of infrared up into the air. Yeah. And as you broke that line... That right. was a, a sign. That was signified to the console you were pressing a button. Oh, so you had very high tech. The idea. It's very much like the uh, Emperor's New Clothes. That controller, yeah. isn't it? You can probably get someone in looking really cool, making it work on a tech demo. But when little when little Tommy gets it home, but it ends up Miyamoto Wii Music demo. Or worse. <laughs> or worse. I don't think you could control anything with this. The power glove, Tom, looks like a pro controller <laughs> compared to the uh, Sega Activator, unfortunately. A good idea, but much like most of Sega's ideas, 50 years ahead of the time. Yeah. Uh, another one. What's that one there? What, the Mega CD? Yeah. That's... Well, a cool add-on that brought the CD medium into the home for an affordable price. Itself not only playing CDs but bringing in new chipsets and Sega's answer to Mode 7, which was very underutilised. And if the listeners want to see it in action, it's probably best observed and easily accessed through the driving levels of the Mega CD variant of Batman Returns. Now, I'm pleased you mentioned that because um, that's what caught my eye to the Mega CD. I remember getting a, um, a games magazine, it came with a VHS tape. 
of, of like uh, just just like video demos. Wow. Um, I would love and, to get my hand on one of those now. Yeah, and it had uh, footage of uh, the Batman Returns driving level, and I was in awe of like this Batmobile going through the snow and yeah, the, actual, the effects. Um, it looked fantastic. When but... Sega, you see, I, we'll all go on to talk about this, but the Mega CD came out and it had loads of tech <clears> in it, and it had this Mode Seven Beta that they could have used in every single game to rotate sp- sprites and really usher in a new wave of these really cool looking CD well, games like Star Fox-esque style they um, could have embarrassed that yeah they could have made that look terrible but instead Tom the add-on was now in the hands of the FMV brigade and yes the games look great in TV adverts and magazines but behind the scenes Tom they've played very poorly especially when we go back and play them retrospectively as a modern gamer now, it's with these FMV games, we talk of Night Trap, we talk of Sewer Shark, we talk mm-hmm. of uh, Road Avenger, I believe, the anime one. It, Sega was pushing the boundaries and caught the attention of the authorities in America oh with dear. this title, Night Trap. <laughs> uh, now, this, this managed to uh, anger parents who found out the game had scantily clad teenage girls that could be observed voyeur style by the player through cameras left around the house. This did nothing but bolster the sales. <laughs> As it once, usually does. Yeah, once again, make the Mega Drive the bigger boy console. One thing I've always had a little bit of an issue with, with America and its take on games, and we've seen it with Grand Theft Auto and Hot Coffee and all that sort of stuff. It seems in America, Tom, you can go on a killing spree in a game and that's absolutely fine. Someone show a little bit of nipple, Tom, everyone loses their mind. Yeah. One of those is far less dangerous than the Absolutely, other. Absolutely, yeah. That's, violence uh, in the games is fine. A little bit of a scantily clad teenager and no. the world goes crazy. Yeah. I find that I've always found that sort of hypocrisy very strange. Yeah, it's a strange world we live in, isn't it? Put a scantily clad lady in a game, 18 certificate. Have you running Rampage with guns? That's fine. It's PG. And remember, this is back in the day where we didn't really have very clear uh, well, certifications. I, I on. actually think that was the first game to usher in a certification. Oh, really? Yeah, it got an 18. Facts. I, I think it got an R rated in America. Um, but uh, here uh, began the fade for the Mega Drive. With the release of the 32X, uh, the system was on life support and it looked like it too. It sure looked <laughs> like it. Uh, bolted to its CD drive with the 32X grafted in on top all needing separate power supplies. The thing looked ridiculous. It did. Um, have you seen the Mega Drive Mini like little add-ons they've made? Uh, for this? I have. They're non-functional. Uh, yeah, they're not- stress <laughs> that. They're non-functional yeah. plugins. Just to for you make it look like it um, look like it's something that was cobbled together uh, on a Friday afternoon in the Fair Sega factory. Play. I mean, it's it's a shame that we never. I know there were revisions down, like the um, I can't remember was it the Mega CD where they, um, I can't remember the name of it now, listeners. I will look to get back to you that next episode. But there was a, an iteration where they had the they slimmed it all down into a little carry case one. Uh, oh, like right. a, almost yeah. like a Walkman style so it had uh-huh. the CD and it had a bit on the back Yeah, some of the fans are going to be screaming at me now and it's one of those moments where my lizard brain tries to think of the answer and now it can't so it's gone I think you provided him with a lot of facts this week so they'll forgive you <laughs> we'll let them uh, off that one time the, the 32X didn't really have very many games but as we mentioned before on the show Star Wars Arcade is a notable highlight on there yeah, so uh, is, yeah. 
something to check out if you want to delve onto the 32X. Yeah, and that being said, the 32X initially sold well, but its price soon got slashed as demand decreased and missteps from the management about where Sega's future laid, and it certainly wasn't 32X flavoured nor Mega Drive. Saw the 32X sort of struggle on a bit there, Tom, with a smattering of not very good games. A good friend of the show chimed in. Tom, seemingly you can pronounce his name, I can't. Remind me one more time, like Red it's, Dragon. Uh, it's that guy again, Bobba Lobba. Bobba Lobba. Got it in one, Tom did. Nailed it. Uh, I never had a Mega Drive first time around. I was a Nintendo kid. Always loved playing on the Mega Drive at a friend's house. Sonic was the go-to game for me, just like Mario was whenever they came to my house. Uh, recently picked one up, um, spur of the moment, and he's slowly building his games collection uh, that he wished he had when he was a kid. Not only does Boba Loba hail from a place where I used to hail from. It also sounds like we're brothers from another mother, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Mumsy got herself busy back in the day while we were in childcare. So there it is, then. A real success. A 16-bit machine that was cool to own did well with its final number coming in at 29 million units sold. Tom, taken in isolation, you think, well, they did well. Yeah, the story on paper looks ridiculous, with Nintendo's 49 million SNES consoles sold. Ouch, that's what I'm yeah, saying. You know, exactly. when you look at 29 million, you think, well, they've done really well for themselves in that yeah. era of gaming, but 49 million SNES. And that's, there. It, it's not sort of like now where we've got, obviously, you've got Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, PC platform, mobile gaming. This is like, I know there were other things available, but the two... Home, big home consoles, yeah. that's it. So they but, really did lose that battle, didn't they? Yeah, but it's like we said in the early, earlier in the episode, it was those that there that were living it at the time that didn't see Nintendo running away with it. it Sega were really holding and keeping them honest. It was a real gone, good fight that could have gone either way. And let's face it, Tom, everyone loves an underdog. They do. Especially here in the UK, which kind of strangely, this is where it did really well. Yeah, I think... Um, it, yeah, it does go to go to show it's healthy to have competition. Um, I mean, they're good numbers for both consoles, and uh, like I say, it was it was a very like fierce battle on the playground, wasn't it? It was as to which was best. And those numbers, I, I'm going to say it again. You would have thought it would be like forty nine million, forty eight million, twenty nine million, twenty eight million. Yeah, they almost went and doubled the number. I know that Sega did. Yeah, and they had a stranglehold. The NES. The Mega Drive came out and just dominated the NES area and all the bigger boys got on that. Mm-hmm. But by the time the SNES came out, the Mega Drive was looking old hat again. And yeah. It, it was almost like the Mega Drive Pro, the SNES, when it came out, unfortunately. Mm, it certainly Mega was. Mega Drive 1X. Uh, hang on, though, listeners. The Mega Drive is still alive and kicking with a great retro scene. And as mentioned in the news, it's still getting new games even today. Forever part of the 90s and forever the highlight of Sega's hardware... This year especially, as we get set for the release of the new Mega Drive Mini, what's looking finally like a great system for the gamers of today with a great library, hopefully paying tribute to the great console. Much better than the clones and rehashes we've up until now. We think the Mega Drive has earned that. Oh, Tom, we do. And we've reached that point again where if you're at a cocktail party and the guy there says he loves Mega Drive, (laughs) oh really... Well, let's give you our top five and some honourable mentions. Tom, do you want to kick it off? 
Yeah, so number one, Streets of Rage 2. Uh, we've talked about this again, if you want to listen uh, to our top ten games, uh, personal each. Um, just summarise But we, we both we both chose Streets of Rage 2, didn't yeah. we? You're a um, kung fu fighting cop or cops. Yeah. So you go through cleaning up the town against Mr. Big, I believe. So Yeah. Uh, Storyline there. Mr. X. Mr. X. Mr. X. Uh, some great like boss character designs there. It was exciting just progressing through the level to see what the next bad guy would look like. Yes. Um, there was one that looked like the Ultimate Warrior, uh, where you go down a lift and then you're in this sort of cage well, fighting arena. And they also managed to like squeeze squeeze in, I think we've talked about this before, but the aliens reference to put you on like a uh, a pirate ride. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then you end up with like a, a sort of Blanca slash Wolverine-esque creature with, I, I don't know where he's a creature or a man dressed up, but he's got like claws and he spins in a sort of Blanca attack <laughs> role. There's just, uh, so there's, uh, it, to me, that is the number one game on Mega Drive. Ooh. Bold. I've owned several copies of it, well, but on, uh, we what best else? move on before I get too carried away. Right game to own on there? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which yeah. we discussed. I mean, uh, we don't need to go into that. If no. you haven't played that game, if you're going to play it anywhere, play it on the original hardware. Come back. Yeah. Come back to the Mega Drive. Um, I'm going to throw one in there, Tom. Desert Strike. Yeah, so we haven't mentioned this much. Isometric um, game based around the Gulf War. <laughs> very 90s, very yeah. cool, the first Gulf War. Again, this uh, takes me back to uh, the, the memory of seeing the Mega Drive for the first time. Uh, my mate showed me Sonic and then he, he put on Desert Strike. His dad was actually in the RAF, so he was a, cool. bit, a tornado pilot as well. Yeah. So it was like we were like playing his dad's missions in this room and <laughs> getting all excited. And then uh, a part of me flew a tornado, not an Apache helicopter. Yeah. Um, and it was very America-based, um, Desert Strike. But it was cool. You sort of flew around the map and you had to pick up like oil drums and... Yeah, well, that was your that, fuel a, and you had yeah, take them. upgrades and extras, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, absolutely uh, brilliant. Pretty game. solid game though. Yeah, another one from me, a favourite of mine, the Road Rash series. Yeah, great. Uh, the sort of, the, the idea of surviving almost on this uh, on this bike and the, the various people and then the, the cops could come as well. Well, again, uh, there were... There were as good games on Super Nintendo, but there weren't anywhere anything nearly as cool as being able to sort of rip through the American countryside on a yeah. motorbike, hitting other bikers yeah. while in like a street race. A vague thought, I'm, I'm pretty sure you had like different, there weren't many different choices of bikes, but they had sort of different stats. and Yeah, you, you bought different bikes, I think, as you progressed. Ah, through, right, yeah. And that obviously made it easier to access the higher levels. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, and lastly, Tom? Mortal Kombat 2. Because it's Sega, because there's the blood, because it's 90s, because it's full of chewed, (laughs) dude. It had to go on there, didn't it? Mortal Kombat 2. I mean, Um, we know we're going to, in the honourable mentions, uh, Tom, if you want to lead off. Yeah, we've got Earthworm Jim, uh, which we discussed. Toe Jam and Earl. uh, All all the the Disney games. All the Disney tie Just got any Disney game tie and throw it in there. Uh, Fantasy Star 4, do you, yeah, do you ever play that one? That's a super long game. I've got the privilege of owning it. Yeah, uh, I got given it by a good friend, actually, who was uh-huh. cleaning out their old collection. Um, Golden Axe, another sort of take on the uh, Streets of Rage, sort of scrolling uh, co-op beat-em-up. Yeah. The birth of the... Uh, the Souls games, Tom. Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah. Super difficult. Well, leading on from that, even harder. Really? TM, TMNT Hyperstone Heist. Is that game. the one with the sur- surfing through the sewers, or am I thinking of Battletoads? 
I'm sure there's a mission the where you're level, surfing. In the first level, you're not surfing. You're walking through sewers. Then you're walking through a street. Then you go into like a like a house on a hill from memory where you yeah. fight a guy. Don't you fight the bad guy out of uh, the second in command in the Ninja Turtles movie? What's that guy? Chinese guy with a moustache. He's like oh. the, he's like the third boss or something crazy. Is he? Is he yeah. in that? Yeah, he's in it. Oh, I really want to remember his name now because Casey Jones like wrecks him with a golf club. Much like you bat. can't remember his name, I couldn't remember the little portable Mega Drive. There you go. Such is life. And and with that, Tom, I want to launch him with my particular highlight on the Mega Drive. It's also on the SNES, but yeah. on there it's called Zombies at My Neighbours. On the Mega Drive, it's just called Zombies. Yeah, I played this uh, recently. We had a well. Sort of last year, we had a bit of a retro uh, Mega Drive evening, and yeah. you wheeled that out. I was pretty impressed with yeah. that. I've never played good it. Play. Good co op, good Yeah, graphics. definitely deserves the honourable mention. Got a nice graphical style. Street Fighter 2. Um, Street Fighter Man. I am. Massive fan of Street Fighter. Um, I owned it on the Mega Drive. I remember that cool box art with Ryu, and then M. Bison with his sort of, uh, sort of psycho power blue imagery behind him. Uh, and then NBA Jam, a uh, good sporting title on now there. That is that that has got to be in my top three games on the console. Yeah, I'm a big lover of NBA Jam. Yeah, um, I just think that everything about it is cool. That I mean, again, it's very nineties, so it's very much the game to have. Yeah, uh, on there. But uh, there you go. Such is life. So you've got some games. You've grabbed the console. Um, what else? You've obviously got to grab a couple of controllers. Now, we'd recommend you look out or hold out for the six-button variant, which means you're all good for Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and it puts to bed the whole the Mega Drive's not very good at fighting games because it's only got three buttons. If you want to upgrade that arcade experience, and I'd recommend this, you want to grab a couple of the official, not the unofficial, unfortunately, six-button arcade sticks, or even the older three-button variety for some of the older games. As always, guys, playing these today, grab yourself some controller extenders so you can relax on the couch. Yeah, just like the Dreamcast. I mean, we don't want to be one foot away from the screen in the modern world. <laughs> we don't game like that anymore. And as far as hookups go, I would recommend... I've gone this route, and I recommend the full RGB SCART option. The Mega Drive can output full RGB SCART, and the picture is crystal, crystal cool. clear. So hunt those down. And the only person I personally have bought them from and trust, because a lot of these cables, they say they're going to do something on eBay or wherever. Yeah. And then when they come, the materials are poor. They don't. There's only like three wires connected in it, so you're only uh, getting composite. You're not actually getting the full thing. Uh-huh. So when you go full SCART, go with someone you trust. And the person that unofficial controller trusts is retrogamingcables.co.uk. They've got Mega Drive hookups but they've got all the old console hookups. So if you nice. want to get the Dreamcast in better visual form, if you want to get the N64 in better visual form, and any other retrospective consoles that we do, I would say look and these guys I'm out. sure they're uh, sort of willing to, to help any questions you've got if you're wanting to get those yeah, cables. Well, and you, and you, yeah, the, the haunt of all the unofficial controller <laughs> community. As I say every week, we're about as popular on syphilis as a dose of the pox. So retro gaming cables are going to hook you up. This is a real surefire way of giving a modern TV a really good signal from the get-go. And then if you want to go from HDMI, the full RGB signal transitions to the HDMI adapter really, really well. Well, Tom, I do believe that's put a cork 
in the feature, the Mega Drive history. The very fact-heavy feature this fact-heavy week. Fact-heavy feature. Not the Federation Against Copyright Theft, because we're about to talk about listener's Stingray, and we don't want the big man to get scared off. Um, so if you've got a phone with you at the minute, um, please uh, go on to Instagram, hashtag uh, Stingray's Boot, and uh, just... Have a, bra- have a browse with us. Do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So when the big man makes a house call, Tom, you'd better be ready. These, got in tu- these guys got in touch to show us their pickups from Stingray's Boot. You can too. Just hashtag Stingray's Boot on Instagram or Twitter or email us questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. So let's have a little peek. Do you want to kick us off? Yes, Tom, I do. What have we got here? Retro Gamer Thomas. He's running out of room quick, as he says. Little video of his game room there, Tom. He's very excited. Sonic poster on point. Good timing, like what you're doing, retro gamer Thomas. A stool. Let's pick out all the random things. Got Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. Uh, it's old Star Wars. He's got an original Sonic poster there. And he's got a Mario throw. My goodness gracious me, he's got. We shouldn't jest. He's got a very good, a healthy selection of Dreamcast and Saturn titles. Look at those PS2 games. It looks like he um, CEX. He looks like he's got more than CEX. He probably has, yeah. system, he's got Mega Drive, he's got 360 coming out of his ear rolls, he's got some cube titles there, yeah, he's got a lot of games. Moving on, he's also had a couple more PS4 pickups uh, of Moss, the VR mouse game, and uh, Trials Rising. If only that pickup had also included the Star Wars blankie. I was going to say blanket, and then I changed my mind to blankie because I thought it would be for the smaller boys... And then they're making a really cobbled together version of both of them, which was blankly, which I do believe is Michael Jackson's child. Yes. So retro gamer Thomas is the unknown other parent of blankly. Uh, Long time listener and uh, poster Ozcat. Uh, dot TV. Where would the show be without Ozcat. Dot TV? I know we'd, we'd have no content. We um, a few week, weeks ago, Sega Select hooked me up with the unsealed Sonic Two for the Game Gear. Wow. wow. And. Unsealed Sonic 2. That um, so he's grown his Game Gear, Game Gear collection there. He's got some other titles, including uh, Power Rangers, uh, Sonic Chaos, NHL All-Star. Looks like he's got a baseball game, Tom. He has. I thought you would have spotted that one. Yeah, on it like a hawk. Yeah, uh, the Incredible Hawk and, and a few others there. I might need a game, a baseball game for Game Gear. Yeah? If anyone... You best get stocked up on those batteries. Yes. Um, well, don't worry... Little Devil seventy, uh, Little Devil underscore seventy one has picked up a Pac Man yo yo. Wow! Um, yeah, that's sealed as well. I mean, that's minty fresh, isn't it? it that looks good. Is. And it's made by the company Duncan, who seem to be copying Nintendo's <laughs> font there. I don't know what that's all about. Sharaban uh, looks like he's gone down hard on a Targi for the Xbox. He's not just got one; he's got two, and he's showing us the disc and the manuals. The immortal oh, Radabash. Radabash Gaming's hooked himself up with a Dreamcast. Look at that unofficial controller. An unofficial as well. controller and what looks like a stack of copies. <laughs> Radabash Gaming, the reason the, the uh, Dreamcast died, I'm going to say this now, you're part of the problem. <laughs> now, 8 bit overhaul. Now, his youngest son here, very exciting, and I'm very excited for him. 
it looks like he's saved up his allowance, his pocket money as we call it in the UK, and he's been and bought a copy of Spider-Man for the PS4, and he's gone and grabbed himself a shocker action figure. One thing I've got to say about this young man is he looks very happy with his new pick. He's got a great, he? great game there as well. It's going to keep him entertained and for uh, many hours to come. Bit overhaul with the pong picture in the background. We need to see more of that. It looks very cool with his CRTs stacked yeah. up. Uh, once again, eight bit overhaul junior. It's with these younger listeners, Tom, that the show has a chance to grow. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, little devil seventy one. Uh, has picked up uh, Road Blasters on the NES. Oscat's title's looking in doubt here. Yeah. Um, we've got someone else. Oobgram. 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 Don't ask me for pronunciation. Tom Oobgram. Insult him and get it wrong. I'm sure they'll let us know if we've got it wrong. Motor They've got a... a that's a Matchbox game, is that right? Probably, like, yeah. yeah. I see the Matchbox logo on there. Um, we've heard from him in the feature, and now he's come in here with a... A tips book from Mega Machines. Yeah, Sega, Mean yeah. Machines. Oh, sorry, Mean Machines. So that would be one Once of the classic. Once again, were you in the feature? I was there in, <laughs> in body, but not in mind. Um, mean Machines Sega Complete Review Guide Volumes Two I've got M to one. Z, and it's it is really cool. It's just a collection. I of, do remember uh, getting some of them. Summarised yeah. Mean Machines reviews. Uh huh. Sharaban again. He's not just bought one copy of Oddworld. He's been and bought every copy of Oddworld you can imagine. got the collection. I He's believe there's another set. one of those coming out soon. And I think that Limited Run Games are doing Oddworld on the PS4 as well, Strange oh. Wrath, your mm. favourite uh, Oddworld game. Of course. Another new name to the show, Airmitch44. Whoa, he's so had he's a got himself score. a Genesis collection. Yes, he has. Uh, Home, Home Alone, Alone. too. Yeah. yeah. What else has he got? Oh, he's got that. Top? So he's got triple score, which I believe probably over here would have been Mega Games One. Well, good spot. California yeah. Games Strider, a game there called Outlander. Now, I wonder if that's the game I had on Atari ST. If anyone's knows, they should let me know. Yeah. Uh, game Boy Dot Matty, another young follower of the show, and uh, well done, Game Boy Matty, because it looks like you've hooked up Game Boy Daddy. With some pretty cool looking father's gifts. It's got a, there. a Sega Saturn smartphone controller. That looks pretty cool. Very, it? very cool. Uh, what looks like some sort of beer related Pac Man thing in the background. A Pac Man beer glass with the maze up the side of the glass uh, and a power up card. Well done, Game Boy Matty, and to all fathers out there. Oh my goodness gracious me. Ozcat's all that Sauna got there still, Battalion Controller out. <laughs> so, so he's, he's gonna... got. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one at the toilets, Tom, isn't he? You call that, <laughs> let me get mine. And Ozcat. Oh, have you seen the next one? Well, we'll get there. Ozcat's blown down hard on a uh, Mountain Dew Xbox. I do actually believe he won that. I think I got in a conversation with him. Which is great. I mean, not only is Ozcat dripping in retro pickups week after week, he just seems to be one of the luckiest characters in the world. And thankfully, he listens to the show. So he's lucky, lucky, lucky in all ways, Tom. Now, your friend, yeah, as you can say it. It's my boy, Bobba Lobba. My boy. Uh, Listen at you. Look What's at he got those, to say he, for himself? On top of a basket containing um, an EGX uh, sort of lanyard there... That'd be cool if he's going there this year. I love hopefully... the way you focus in on the smallest bit of right. Now we need to talk about this because hopefully we're going to go, aren't we? Oh, I was just and say, we could look, maybe Rocky's even. Rocky's in there. Yeah, Rocky's in there. Rocky does not compare to EGX Games Show. 
where hopefully we might actually <laughs> actually sort of meet and greet some of these uh, amazing Insta followers. If I'm not grounded for being rude about EGX, maybe, yeah, we'll all be yeah, there. And maybe I would we'll... love to meet every single last one of you. Absolutely. Maybe we can get those stickers run out in time. Maybe. Maybe. The unofficial controller bumper sticker. Depends what budget we've got left after. It does, yeah. Getting the Stingray. We'll have to get onto the the uh, the Lord great Pons- Lord Ponsonby. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, he's got some Mad Cats controllers he in there, which we love. He's done that on purpose, hasn't he? Yeah. Clamouring for the likes. Um, Say sorry. I am sorry, Boba Lobbert. And on that rather apologetic note, Little Devil comes in with Expendable on the Dreamcast. Retrovision's there. My goodness. They've managed to get Haunting Ground for the PS2, a very hard-to-find title. He's found it thrifting. Tom, I tell you, I don't know how they do it. And if our ego couldn't get big enough, we've got ourselves with uh, our Mega Drive collection. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. Scott's Gamer Geek, uh, they've been and bought themselves. They've been bought for Father's Day. Lots of great Father's Day gifts this week. PlayStation Classic. Retro Games MT. They've Looks like they've done well with some... Game Boy. Bootleg Game Boy cartridges. (laughs) Just the sort of thing we love on the show. (laughs) Pokemon Pocket Monsters. That looks really legit. Got a copy of... (laughs) Pokemon Crystal and Jade. That looks equally as legit. Pokemon Gold. <laughs> looks like Tom's made it with his crayons. Uh, now, this must be one Tom made with his crayons. So Star Wars Baby One's Adventures on the Game Boy. Uh, Driver on the Game Boy Color. I mean, if any of those are legit, well, I don't believe it. Moving Next on. Up. Circus of Values. Now, I love this name. Every time I see that little logo pop up on Instagram and his name, I hear that machine from Bioshock. Circus of value. Oh, yeah. Tom's finally caught on. It's where he heard that before. <laughs> he's gone and thrown down. He's bought the whole lot for Medieval, but he's managed to pick up Crash Bash, Spyro, 1-2, Crash Tag Team Racing, which is poignant. He, he picked up Crash 2, Vigilante 8. I mean, a smorgasbord of great games, just so we could get his mitts on Medieval. Um, cool. Um, Moving on, we've got Amid No Thrifts. Is that correct? Let us know if not. Pretty uh, good effort from you, though, considering. Yeah, a small flea market haul for 10 bucks. Nice. Uh, he's got a PS1, um, two rather large NES cartridges, um, Rayman Arena, Unreal Tournament, and I can't quite make out what that last one is, but they're on the PlayStation Oh, now 2. the reason that I asked him to send this in is scan right, Tom. Oh that wow! Is a quality, quality looking. It's Xbox. like a reverse Scottish flag Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> now this is a proper Stingray's boot pickup. It is. Looks like it's been painted with paint from home base. I think it has. I reckon that has. Yeah. But he says Do it's good. It needs the... a clean, but it's modded. And believe it or not, they let him just take it. <laughs> <laughs> probably want to get rid of it. The fumes generating off that. Um, Little Devil chiming in again with uh, Blasto on the PlayStation. He just keeps buying. Retro Gamer Island. He looks like he's he's managed to That's get a his... real cool setup, isn't it? He, with he's the very cool. And and he's actually oh, he's got managed... SNES Mini down there. All the Nintendo consoles. This is a story here, Tom. 
Sorry? There's a story here. Sorry. You just, you, you just put your jaw on holiday. I will. And I'll just kick in. <laughs> We've got... He's, he was kicking around a music shop, an old guitar shop, and he found a dusty Ness on the shelf, and the owner gave it to him, which is great, considering Very how much those things are worth these days. Unfortunately, it didn't work when he plugged it in, so he swapped the 72-pin <laughs> connector around, put it in his original Ness, which wasn't working, and it's now working like a dream. So well, happy he sounds days. like a, a good bloke to get in touch with on Insta if you've got any queries for sort of trying to get old consoles going. The jaw's back from holiday. I wish you'd took it another week. <laughs> Game Boy Archive 1. <laughs> He's got to got himself a, a 3DS XL, a 2DS XL, and a copy of Body Harvest for the N64. And what we got here, Sony PSP Addict, Field Commander, Superbike 09, Peter Jackson's King Kong, Thrillville off the rails, Avatar the game. He's got he's got a tolerance level very high for pain, Tom. Um, Blue Canyon Games, that uh, an indie developer there chiming in, showing us some stuff. Yeah, look, uh, um, and then Oscat Bloodstained and Last of Us collection that he's got there. Blue Canyon Games just showcasing off some stuff. I said they're an indie developer. I think they're actually just a. Uh, like a game seller and I think that's just the full turn of the wheel Tom because I believe we've seen Little Devil's Dreamcast magazine before because I yeah. waffled on about how much I loved blue European Dreamcast magazine absolutely so, Tom that's listeners Stingray if they want to get involved and get the big man round you can Tom now how would they do that well they can um, they can Tag any pickups with uh, hashtag Stingray's boot. You should uh, see the relief on my face because Tom sort of wandered back into the conversation looking around blankly and I was thinking, oh no, please no. I not should, another edit. I just thought, you were gonna, <laughs> well, we don't know how to do it, Tom. So it's frightful. We leave all the mistakes out there. Yeah. Much like we did at the to top To be of judged. Show, to be judged open and yep. fairly. So if you've been on your phone looking at the uh, hashtag Stingray's boot, Please put that down and put your hands back on the wheel. Okay. Well, as we uh, don't forget hashtag Stingray's boot and uh, Tom, what I thought you were going to launch into, and the one that you've memorised, so I've been banned from doing any more sort of satanic rites to help you remember them. Tom, before we launch into the bit that everyone likes to listen to, the real reason people rocked up, the celebrity of the show Stingray. Before we get into that section. How would the fans get in touch with us? Uh, again, you can reach us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com uh, or direct direct messages on um, Twitter and Instagram. Also, uh, please go and check out our YouTube channel, um, Unofficial Controller. Just type it in, uh, Unofficial Controller Podcast, and uh, and have a look at the uh, the visual variation of. And the, you can uh, be podcast. as excited as Tom is right now. So race there, hold, waste no time, rip everything out of your way to gain access to that YouTube channel, subscribe, watch, come for the audio, Tom, as you say. Please leave comments as well. Stay for the visual. Absolutely. Now, this week, Tom, things are back to normal. Stingray's been out, he's been down the local market, about midnight, spoken to Big Jeff. Big Jeff's rolled back the carpet in the bottom of the van and he's shown Stingray his wares. This was a discreet yet quick pickup of some of the biggest gaming releases, as well as 
all the latest v- VHSs we didn't even know we didn't need to see. Absolutely. It's time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. What's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of Battle for Endor this week? These are the new release highlights for this week, June 10th to June 16th, 2019. Listeners, these are out digital or physical, or will be by the time this podcast is in your feed, but could be region-dependent. Now, Tom. It's just passing the pub at the bottom of the street. I hear a wheel screech. That's not going to make its way into the audio for this, because the audio we've got for Stingray... (laughs) Is already pre-recorded and it doesn't have any wheel spin in it. Use your imagination. And Tom, he tears, he tears up the drive. Literally, all those pre-positioned stones that Lord Pontlebury gone out there and arranged to look like a gravel drive have now been thrown up in the air like confetti. And as they rain down, sound sound effect again because we are the cheapest average podcast <laughs> in the market. We feel safe to go out. The springs are finished squeaking, Tom, and the boot is popped. He sits there, looking at us, almost double-daring us, to buy some of his wares. You know the rules? Only cash. Only cash. 40 degrees, 60 degrees, approach at degrees, with a stick, no skin on skin. You know the routine, Tom. If you get bitten, it's on you. You've approached him first. What's in there? So, first up, we've got another site which is available on PC, PS4 and Xbox. It's out June 18th. So, a little bit about the game. A teenager who has lost her sight and a mysterious cat team up in a surreal fantasy adventure into the unexpected, weaving a tale that brings together some of the world's greatest minds. Monet, Tesla, Edison and other historical cultural icons. You know, he didn't miss his beat with that, listeners, did he? Oh, yes. I and that is nestled between a copy of um, the 1970s sitcom Rising Damp starring Richard Beckinsdale. A great one for the family. He's done his own work for once, listeners. Some of the humour is borderline racist, but it doesn't matter. Because... Why did you bring that into it? Yeah. We're not that sort of show. Keep it light. Okay. Light. (laughs) Next you'll mention the B word, like Brexit. (laughs) Unindated. One way or the other, we take once a week one title home and we call it our Mummy Mummy. That's right. Mummy lets us pick one title and we refer to that title as She still controls the cash. She does. Now, my Mummy Mummy is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night released on PC, PS4, Xbox, June 18th. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is an exploration-focused side-scroller action RPG by Koji Igarashi. Play as Miriam, an orphan scarred by an alchemist curse that slowly crystallises her body. Battle through a demon-infested castle and defeat its master to save yourself and all of humanity. Tom, when you're not doing your celebrity read-throughs, I've mm-hmm. maybe got good enough to read reading out bigger boy words now that I could do that. I'll see what I can do. I'll put in a word. Not a chance, is there? What's next? <laughs> um, we've got Citizens of Space on PC, PS4, Xbox and Switch out also June 18th. Mm. Um, brief uh, roundup: The Earth is missing and it's up to you to find the pieces and solve the mystery behind the disappearances. Uh, recruit citizens, navigate the cosmos, and battle charismatic foes in Citizens of Space. Next up, 
Do you want to take this one? I will. Lovely Planet 2 on PC, June 18th. A very cute first-person shooter game. A sequel to the most adorable and critically acclaimed FPS gun ballet. Ballet? That would be ballet. Ballet. I see why you politely declined my read-through. After 2014, Lovely Planet, the sequel to Lovely Planet, I would imagine. Tom? Next up, we've got a PSVR game. Ooh, pull on the headset. Yeah. uh, Out June 18th, uh, called Mini Mech Mayhem. Mini Mech Mayhem is a deeply funny tabletop VR battle game for up to four players online. Team up with your little mech buddy to plan a flawless strategy, then marvel at just how wrong you were. Not to worry, play some power cards to get your team back on track or dare to trust in your instincts and crafty skills and pull off a stunning win. Uh, have you looked at that at all with having the VR headset? Uh, I'm actually looking at this, a VH copy, VHS copy of Dragonheart, uh, where Sean Connery voices the dragon, and I believe it's uh, Dennis Quaid. He's, I think it is, yeah, yeah. He's the swords, I think we want yeah. that. I, I think actually, do you know what? You want to take that? Instead of Bloodstained. Are we going to rent that? Yeah. Have we got the money Can we for have that? Maybe We've got that and Rising Down, so it's... Although Rising Down's for... Uh, that's the Mummy, Mummy and Lord Ponsonbury. Yeah, yeah so that's they for them, have that. isn't it? Yeah. Put it down. What we'll do is, because Mummy, Mummy, Mummy's only given us a certain amount of money, Yeah. put it in the Never Never Book of Stingrays. You, I'm not going to go in there, because I know what happened to Jeff from who the never, night Who shift. never paid up. Yeah, he, like... Disappeared. I'm, I'm pretty sure Stingray urinated on his milk bottles. <laughs> I don't want that here. Okay. And you're better with money than me, so it's right. better that you put your name in Stingray's book. That sounds like trickery, but okay, I'll I will do so that. So we can have Rising Damp, we can have Dragonheart, we can have uh, Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. And then my choice, which will be coming up. Oh, exciting. Yeah. A uh, little bit of tension as we build to the releases. Next up, we've got another PSVR title uh, out June 18th, Vacation Simulator. Welcome to Vacation Simulator, a rough approximation of vacation inspired by real human not jobbing. Mm. Brought to you by the same robots behind the job simulator. Relocate your bandwidth and get ready to splash. Small, snowball and selfie your way to optimal relaxation. Stand back, Tom, because as a regular Nintendo expert, I want this fine-looking mess of the game. Boxing (laughs) Champs out June 20th. Have a little yourself a look. I might be doing it an injustice, but seeing as I'm a big Nintendo fan, I couldn't help myself. More than just a boxing game, Boxing Champs mixes fast and fun top-down arcade graphics and animations and mixes it with simulated gameplay to give the real feel of boxing. Feel every punch with full punch control using the right stick. Start swinging away and challenging friends in multiplayer or make history by moving up the ranks in career mode to become the undisputed world champion. Snap the jab from outside and throw combinations or get inside and brawl away with hooks and uppercuts. Capture the spirit of boxing and knock it out in the ring. Tom, from what I've seen, I Top might be down harsh. down view is very strange, isn't it, on that? That game needs knocking clean out. <laughs> Fight Does night. it need a Red Dragon Rears punch? Sensei Red Dragon Rears from the local... Uh, village Hall on his way back up here after giving lessons to uh, Devonzilla needs to Red Dragon Punch we'll, what we'll tell tell Stingray that we're going to rent this and then Red Dragon <laughs> Rears can come here and Red Dragon Punch into it into the lair into the pit into the lair pit yeah, and, yeah. That, and that needs a little bit of explanation because if they're new, they've got yeah. no idea what that is. So I buried lair in a pit the game lair for PS3 I buried <laughs> it in a pit six foot deep because it was 
it was. And that- we, we we do lay, leave a thin layer of soil over the top, so there's going to be more games going in there. There's more. Um, I think unfairly, boxing- I've, I've unfairly judged. I've not played this game. No, so. it's probably small, some small indie company. It's what, their I'll- make or break game, and you've just destroyed them. If it is, <laughs> right, I'm sorry. And I at least read it out. Yeah. We didn't have to bring it in here. We didn't, no. There's no such thing as uh, as bad press. There's not. Even from uh, me. Moving on. Uh, Catan on the Switch, June Again, 20th. Catan. Uh, trade, build, settle on Nintendo Switch. Discover or rediscover all the fun of the strategic and social gameplay and of the million-seller board game. Me and Finch used to play this. Yeah? Adam Finch. If he's out there, you get in touch. (laughs) The island of Catan is an uninhibited land rich in resources. No, Tom, it's not uninhibited because that's something very different. I would say to you it's uninhabited. Uninhabited land rich in resources for you to settle. It's not lacking inhibitions. It's lacking habitable places to live. Unfortunately, your opponents have the same plans, though. Build settlements, roads and cities strategically to gain supremacy on Catan. Some resources you have in abundance. Other resources are scarce. Scarce. Trade resources wisely and skillfully to stack the odds in your favour and become the greatest settler of Catan. You've, uh, you, you want that read-through of uh, the, Nescafe, uh, the Nescafe advert, really, don't you? I do. Stitching me up with this. I'm working on it. Muse Dash, PC Switch, June 20th. Play as the characteristic heroines dash through fairy tale like stages, dancing to the rhythm and beats. Kick those silly cute enemies into outer space. Uh, my friend Pedro, PC and Switch, June 20th. <laughs> my friend Pedro is a violent ballet. See that word? Again. About yeah. friendship, imagination, and one man's struggle to obliterate anyone in his path and the, the behest of a sentient this, banana. Now, I, I, you need to... Tom, I'm putting my hand in the air. Because this is a podcast, I'm telling people, I'm putting my hand in the air. Right. Much like a school kid at school, my hand Put in the hand air. Up. I want to interrupt. This game looks ace. It looks like a cross between Mad Max right. and, and I don't know what. Basically, it looks like you're a normal guy and this banana appears, almost a representation of your insane mind. Right. And it tells you to sort of go out doing all this shooting. The banana is called Pedro. It's his friend, hence the name. It's an intriguing title. I, it's a side-scrolling Mad Max Payne-style game. Okay. I think you need to, at the very least... I might have a little look at that. Get your blood down nose on the ground and go sniff it out on the green screen. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Uh, Scrap Rush on PC and Switch, June 20th. Robots compete by gathering junk in this crazy battle. The rules are simple. Use blocks and crush your foes, uh, and that can be played with up to four players. Uh, what we got tech next? Tech Core on PC, June 20th. Tech Core is a game where you try to become the biggest tech company in the world. Your goal is to become the next big shot in the tech industry. This game also takes place through history, starting in the early 90s and going to present time. Basically, Tom, this is a cool game. You get to um, be a tech company, so you can be like a Nintendo, an Apple, a Microsoft, yeah. or whatever. Sega. And you develop bit Sega, you Mega Drive, and you develop bits of tech as you go through. Have you played a video game story on an iOS device? No. It's like that, but more okay. in the tech. So very oh. cool game. PC gamers, you say there's nothing here for you. You've waited one hour... 43 minutes to hear about TechCore. Get it bought. Absolutely. Captain Cat on the Switch, June 21st. Captain K 
cat travels the seven seas in his boat, using his anchor as a hook to fish for the delights and treasures hiding at the bottom of the sea. But navigating the depths of unknown waters is never easy. There are many mysterious dangers to face along the way. Can Captain Cat overcome them to catch enough fish to satisfy his hunger? Hmm. Interesting. Very strange one, that. What you got? Um, so this is my mummy mummy. Uh, I'm going to pick this out. Mummy mummy? We've got a bit of the... Uh, <laughs> got a bit of the uh, cash readies for this. Um, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fjord. Uh, out on PS4, Xbox and Switch. It's out on uh, June 21st. Um, Crash is back in the driver's seat. Get ready to go full throttle with Crash Team Racing Nitro Fjord. It's the authentic... CTR experience, just a whole lot more. Now fully remastered and revved up to the max. So it's the same team who have um, done the Crash Bandicoot remake. Awesome, yes. Uh, so you know it's going to be good. Start your engines with the original game modes, characters, tracks, power-ups and weapons and controls. Power slide to glory and additional carts and tracks from beyond the original game. You can also race online with friends and crash the competition with online leaderboards. With Crash Team Racing, Nitro Fuel, the stakes are high and the competition is fierce. It's the CTR you love, now kicked into the highest gear. Very nice. So, no. oh, sorry, no, you take this one. No, tell us a little bit about what you're going to do. No, it doesn't matter. I will get to that. You take, the last, get you take that. the last release. Well, in a strange alternate world somewhere, I'm sure there's a place where Tom's recently been crowned king of the PC computing club at school. But now, I'm the king of the PC Computing Club at school, and I pick Triton Survival on the PC June 21st. Triton Survival is a galactic survival game with an intense action focused on surviving, crafting, and gathering resources, building bases, and beat attacks of enemy hordes from the Neptune planetary system. And with that, Tom, we shut the boot, and we say sayonara, Stingray. He's not on his way, or if he is, he's doing it in stealth mode. I don't hear him. <laughs> We've got a budget for in. Maybe he's got an hybrid the Nissan Bluebird, so he's just on the electric now. Maybe he has. And maybe Who knows? Tom, I think Stingray as a fictional character is probably going to get bored and walk off this show mm. before we finish. And before we finish, Tom, what are you going to be playing? So I am going to be playing, hopefully, Crash Team Racing. I so, see what you were building up to now. Yes. Um so next week, we're hopefully going to just um, insert a little bit into the format. It's not going to be every week, but when we pick up a new title that we feel is uh, something that we can say is either something you need to buy, rent, or leave. Um, and we're going to slip that into the what you've been playing section. Yeah, we're going to... Where yeah. it fits nicely. Yeah. Uh, we're going to just run down a little review of that. Nothing major. Just highlighting some of the, the best points of that. So that's what I'm going to be playing. What How about am I you? Gonna be playing? Probably. Uh, More days um, gone. Yeah, going to try and get days gone finished. How um, uh, are you nearly finished? Blood and Truth. I haven't touched that since we yeah. last spoke about it. So I've got that to finish. I was just asking because a friend wants to get it, and I was just asking for a recommendation. If you could give. Based one. on what I've played already, I can definitely recommend that okay. game. That's good enough for me. Definitely recommend that game if they've got a PSVR headset and they don't have Blood and Truth. It's like being a human without having oxygen. Wow. That's how essential a pickup that is. Big facts. Big fact. 
And Tom, with that big fact, the only other big fact I can wheel out is the fact it's the end of the show. And that's all we've got time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time. We look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. Remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. See you, Tom. Sayonara. Thank you.